When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And they were just bitches. And if you're listening, good. I literally don't <laughs> like them. Hi, everybody. It's Katie Austin here, and welcome back to your favorite show, Austin AF. Today, I have a dear friend, Danielle Robay, coming into the studio today. She is a host extraordinaire. She has been on Entertainment Tonight. She is such a freaking boss-ass woman, and I'm so excited to hear all of her business tips on how she got to where she is today, how she hustled so freaking hard, and stay just so true to herself during everything because she has a story about like moving to LA and everything, and it's really hard to stick to your goals and hustle so hard in LA while staying true to yourself. I don't know if you guys have experienced it, but it is really hard, so I'm just excited to talk to her bring in all her businesswoman tips. And now she is also hosting her own show called Pretty Smart. And so I, first off, just love the name of her show, Pretty Smart, because for so many, you know, a lot of daughters growing up and young girls were told all the time how pretty we are. But her whole thing is like, instead of being pretty, let's be like pretty smart, pretty kind. Um, and so I'm really just excited for her to come in studio today. Before she comes in, I just wanted to sit down with you guys and talk a little bit about food guilt because... During the holidays and right after the holidays, we can feel kind of guilty in quotes about what we're putting into our bodies. And I know for me, I don't feel like my hottest, sexiest self at the moment. I think it's so easy sometimes to be so in a great, healthy routine. And then you take a few days and you eat like shit and you eat, you know, in quotes again, bad food. And you kind of just feel like you're in a rut and you're like, oh my God, how do I get back at it? First things first, let's talk about the difference between good and bad food. There is no such thing as those terms, good and bad food. All right, let's just get rid of those lines right there because there is such thing as like nutritious food versus like food that's not feeding your, your body the right way and not having as many nutrients in it as well. But at the same time, there's no such thing as good and bad food. And I want to let you guys know right now and even telling myself again, enjoy your freaking life. Imagine looking back at the holidays and being like, my grandma cooked these sweet yams and this chocolate mousse pie for hours and I didn't try it because I was worried about my weight. You guys don't want to have any regrets looking back at spending the most beautiful time with your family and your loved ones. I think that's key to, you know, enjoying your life is, you know, <laughs> enjoying the food, eating the food and, you know, not being so sad about all the food that you're intaking afterwards because at the end of the day, you are just living your life. <laughs> I feel like I'm just like repeating myself here, but I just want to just like let you guys know it's okay. And you know, a few days of bad eating is not going to set you back months of your fitness routine. Your body adjusts very, very well and very easily. Our body is meant to kind of adapt easily to, you know, all the things that we're putting in our body. So, you know what I mean? If you're, you know, in taking alcohol for a few days, it's obviously not very good for your liver, but at the same time, our body naturally detoxes as well. So there's no need to go on a crazy detox right now or anything like that. There's no need to be too hard on yourself either. Just get back into a healthier lifestyle and try your best. It's all about trying your best and giving it your best effort because if you can give it your best effort and getting back into a fitness and healthy lifestyle routine, you can 
appreciate yourself and you can be like, well, at least I did my best. You don't have to be too intimidating, too hard on yourself. We're all human. Every single person in the world was enjoying the holidays. No regrets about enjoying the holidays. They happen once a year with your family members that you probably don't get to see too often. Enjoy every single moment of it. Live it up. Eat all the grandma's pie that you freaking want. Um, <laughs> I was about to say, because she won't be around too much longer. But that's so terrible, Katie. It's fucking awful. But um, <laughs> you know it's kind of true at the same time. So enjoy every moment. Don't be too hard on yourself. And what I will say, if you guys are looking to get back into something or you're still, you know, have some family get-togethers coming up or some big dinners or whatever— if you don't want to have that extreme food guilt, which you shouldn't, by the way, I just want to give you guys a tip and say little things do add up at the same time. So if you are looking forward to, you know, the next thing that you have on your calendar and you're like, damn, well, I don't want to feel this way again. What I like to do is, you know, swap out, you know, the sugary margaritas for maybe a skinny margarita or swap out, you know, the, the entire plate of fries to like, you know, a half plate of fries. And so little, little things like that really do add up. Taking the stairs when you can instead of the elevator. And that way you'll feel just a little bit better about yourself because you knew that you were taking a little bit here and there to better yourself. But at the end of the day, there's no such thing about good and bad food. You should not have any food guilt. It is A-okay. You are still human. You're still on track and you're still your most beautiful self. So without further ado, now let's transition here and bring Danielle Robay into the Austin AF studio. All right, you guys, Danielle is in studio. Thank you so much for coming because you're literally, you guys, she came here with her suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> Blowing up my spot. I did come here with my suitcase, but I haven't seen you in years. I'm so happy oh, to see you. I know. The last time we saw each other, obviously everything with like 2020, I didn't have one in-person meeting, I don't yeah. think. Um, but the last time we saw each other was three years ago mm -hmm. at the most LA place of all, Soho House. Yeah, we were in the garden. Yes. We were in a booth together and and uh, we were sort of exchanging stories. Yes. How did we meet? I, I was actually thinking about that. I think we're internet friends. Okay. Yes. That's what I thought too. I was like, <laughs> did I ever meet you in real life before we started following each other? I hmm. think what happened is we were like influencery, but not influencery. Yeah. And we were yes. like, oh, I like you. Yes. We're like, yeah. I don't want to be an influencer. I want to be more like in an entertainment space and I don't yeah. want to be deemed as an influencer. But isn't it funny how like you can seriously read people's energy on social media? Yeah. Like if I, if I was going to be her friend or not. Yeah. Like, oh, I like this person. It's really interesting. Yeah. You can't know everything about, like there are people sometimes where I, I get a little judgy and I meet them and I'm wrong. Yes. But for the most part, you can kind of tell. Yes, I completely agree. And it's so funny because you now are, how many episodes? Over 40 episodes in your show? Yeah, almost 50 now. Almost 50 now. Oh my gosh. And you were telling me about your show three years ago. Katie, I have wanted to do this show for like four and a half years. Unbelievable. Because I, you know, I'm a host. Yes. And uh, I did a morning show in Chicago. And so I was waking up at 2.45 in the morning every oh day. Oh my God. It was nuts. Uh, but while I was doing the show, I read a book called Beauty Sick. And uh, Dr. Renee Engeln is the author. And at the beginning of the book, she has this study and it says 54% of women would rather be hit by a truck than considered fat. What? Mm-hmm. Oh my, I got to take a second to process that. Seriously? Yeah. And... A, I was shocked that it wasn't a higher percentage, to be honest. And B, when I read that, my heart dropped into my stomach because if you asked me that question in high school, I would have said hit by a truck. Seriously? Yeah. I later interviewed her and she oh, said that sometimes people will be like, well, how fast is the car going? Or is it a truck or a Prius? Like, how hurt am I going to be? And her whole thesis in the book is that the number one thing that women in America must be is pretty. Yeah. And I started thinking about all the pretty women in my life and I was like they're like they're not perfect at all. They're yeah. pretty bold, pretty witty, pretty strong, pretty smart. And so I knew I wanted that to be the ethos of the show. I wanted to interview people who were putting a new spin on pretty. Totally. And, and nowadays yeah. with the beauty standard of Ooh. plastic surgery and the Kardashian age and everything like that, it's like 
Yeah. <laughs> How can you actually ever fit into what's deemed pretty in society? It's and ever it evolving. Yeah. Exactly. It's ever evolving and you're never going to be the most beautiful in quotes version of yourself that you want to be because we're the we're hardest on ourselves. You hit it on the head because it's an unreachable target. Exactly. You know, you can change your hair, change this, and then you're going to continue to want to change other things. It's like way better and you'll be way happier if you put your energy into other things that you actually can control. Yes. And know? unfortunately, <laughs> truth is, there's always going to be someone prettier than you. Yeah. Like no matter who you are, if you are Megan Fox, there always. is someone prettier than you. you Smarter, I mean? younger, prettier, more successful. Exactly. It's a never-ending list. So that's why focusing on yourself is so important because like if you're going to compare yourself, oh, that girl's prettier than me, you're never going to win. You will never, never win. And we were talking about this earlier yeah. as well. We're very lucky because we grew up as, you know, daughters of mm -hmm. women who didn't focus so much on looks. Yeah. And, it, I mean, your mom is a fitness icon. My mom loves to work out, and she instilled that in me. Like, just the gift it is to move your body and to sweat. Like, yeah. for me, it's—I actually notice, like, sometimes I feel insecure about my nose or if I am focusing on my weight or something— I always ask the question, like, Danielle, what are you actually upset about? Because right. it's never about that. And right. it's usually like, I haven't worked out in a few days. Or, you so know, like, true. I'm just not feeling like myself. Whenever I'm feeling low or my most anxious self, I am not getting enough sleep. I'm not taking care of myself and I'm not working out. And I'm like, it only takes me three, four days to get back into that. But I forget every time. Every time. And it's like, why do I feel anxious? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I haven't worked out. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Okay, I want to transition a little bit here too because you are a, an extraordinary host. So Thank for, you. No, everyone who doesn't know Danielle, go follow her first off right now. <laughs> she has, you know, really worked for huge media companies and huge yeah. names. You have interviewed top celebrities. Mm -hmm. Taylor Swift is trending right now. You interviewed her, right? <laughs> yeah. Like literally so many famous people, you guys. You worked for Entertainment Tonight. Yeah, I worked for NBC, Entertainment Tonight Online. Uh, I've done stuff for Extra and E, like, you know, with all the entertainment outlets. Crazy. Can you got, just, like, kind of explain to everyone how you really got there? Because your story is incredible. Thank you. Well, first of all, I love that it's, it's like, such a, um, a great compliment coming from you because I really think you're such a great interviewer and host. So thank, thank you for that. <laughs> coming um, from you. <laughs> no, it's true. You're really present. Like, you're so, you're here, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I grew up in Chicago. I grew up in the Midwest, uh, a suburb outside of the city, and it was like 8,000 people, so it was a small oh town. Um, and I moved to L.A. after college. I went to Madison, Wisconsin. I was a political science and comm major. Uh, moved to L.A. and moved into a garage because I had no money, and I didn't know anybody, and I didn't <laughs> know where to live or even if I could afford to like pay rent for two months. So my grandma's friend... Let me live in her garage. Shut up. Yeah. But I saw something that you said. It was like, but it was LA. So yeah. I was driving. <laughs> it was in Santa Monica. Uh -huh. So the sun was shining and yeah. I was just like so excited to be there. You right. know, I think when you're starting out and you're really ambitious, you don't care about your surroundings or yeah. anything. Like nothing else Literally. matters. Like I was, I wanted to live in LA my whole life. Like I was walking outside and there were palm trees. It right. was wild to me. It didn't matter that you were in a garage. Yeah, it did not matter <laughs> that I was like making oatmeal for every single oh meal because all I had was a microwave. Um, but I would like email people. I would call numbers I found on Facebook. No one would reply to me. And finally, I called this guy one day. I found a number on Facebook for an entertainment outlet online. And I called like at 7.15 p.m., and he answered and he was like, how dare you call me after work hours? This is so rude and unprofessional. And I was shaking. I was like, oh my God, I've ruined everything. And you know, like you learn like that your reputation in, in the entertainment business. Totally. And I'm like, he's going to ruin my oh life. My so I hang up and I emailed him after and I said, I'm so sorry. I'm honestly just really eager. Like, please consider me. And he I still have the email. He emails me back. You're really annoying, but fine. Meet me at the Paley Center in Beverly Hills at 7 p.m. on Tuesday. And so— We'll talk about after work hours. Yeah. <laughs> a little contradicting right there. Oh, my God. Great point. I've never thought of that. So I did the red carpet, and uh, eventually I put a reel together. I did, like, a bunch of things for free. If a dog was having some sort of party in Beverly Hills, I was covering it. Like, I would do anything. Um, and then I put a reel together. No one would reply again. 
And I started sending out like cookies and orchids. Stop. Yeah. To like producers and stuff? To producers. Like I would find addresses online. I literally, I didn't know one person when I moved right. here. And I was like, how do you get your foot in the door? I didn't know. Right. Because like to get your foot in the door, you have to know people. Yeah. Every, every single person in the entertainment industry gets somewhere because they know people and because they're network. Yeah. So that's, that's really hard. It was hard, but it was um, exciting. Yeah. You know, like it's all part of the journey, I think. Totally. Um, and I, it worked. Like sometimes people would email, I would leave my name and email on the card and they would email me back and say, you know, like we don't have anything. Also nice to meet you and thanks for the cookies. Yeah. Like <laughs> who is this person? Like you creep. It's funny that you said free because yeah. we have done a lot of free work. I still do stuff for free sometimes. Absolutely, same. Yeah. And it's really crazy because you almost have to do, for our fields and like in the entertainment industry, there's so many girls who want to do what you do. And so you almost have to do a lot of free work, a lot of bitch work, to be honest. <laughs> I think any industry. Yeah. I mean, it's maybe more so in entertainment. Um, but I don't think money is the only, um, it's not the only reward. Do you know what I mean? It's Completely not the only agree. currency. Completely agree. And I had a job that was like a very, very big time job, I remember. And I was I, I was doing it, um, a red carpet uh, for the NBA Awards live. That was big. Free. You were great on that too. It was free. I literally did that for free. So, but like at the same time, it helped my credibility. And I still do things a lot for free to, the, to this day, but no one yeah. knows that you're doing it for free also. Well, I actually think that we should all talk about it more. I'm like yeah. really big into wage transparency because um, – Obviously, I'm a feminist, but also my job in Chicago, I found out that I was making a third less than my male co-host. Shut up. Who did the exact same job and as you? Exact same job. So what did you do? Uh, that's like a whole nother story. I ended up quitting. Hell yeah. Um, I would love to hear the story. Really? Yeah. So. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I moved to Chicago, which I was so scared about because I'd finally found a little bit of footing in L.A., um, I fell in love for the first time. And so obviously the universe was like, oh, things are going okay. We're going to, yeah, you know. Let's switch it up. Yeah, let's switch it up a little bit. So um, I almost didn't take the job. And I called this woman who I really admire. And she said to me, if this guy's the right guy, he will be the right guy in two or three years. If you don't take this job, you will regret it for the rest of your life. I just got chills everywhere. I don't know why. It's true. People, but particularly women are uh, really relational, and it's a beautiful quality, but we also have to sort of, um, when you're young in particular, like make sure that you put an emphasis on not just another person, on you too. Yes. Um, there are moments to pick your partner, and there are moments to pick yourself, and yeah. I think I was uh, in one of the moments where I needed to pick myself, and she steered me in that direction. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, especially when it's a dream that you want so bad. Yes. Imagine being like, oh, I know I picked the guy instead. You're the girl who didn't go to Paris. Right. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. So that's, explain what oh, happened. That's a Lauren Conrad reference, <laughs> by the way. So explain um, what happened when you got there. So got to Chicago. I was so fired up. I wrote all of my, like a bunch of my stories, not all of them. I produced a ton. I would like stay late and do extra work and I would book guests and I was like really involved, right? Yeah. And uh, I found out, he, my male co-host, uh, in conversation, I think, told me uh, what he was Damn. making. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm making a third less than you. Um, doing the same job. I, like, I had more followers, if that matters. You know, just it like, it, there's like things that go yeah. into what you bring to the table. And so I knew there was nothing I could do until my contract was up. My contract was up. I went into the office and they, I think, offered me like a 2% raise, and which was like $1,000 or yeah. something. And I, I was like staring at this man's eyes, who I actually really liked. Mm -hmm. And I remembered watching an Oprah video. Her, one of her first jobs was in Maryland. She found out her male co-host was making double what she was making. She went into her boss's office and he said, well, do you have a house like John? And do you have kids like John? And she was like, no. And he said, well, that's why John makes more. And she looked at him and she realized he was never going to see her value. Right. And she needed to take what she could from the job and move on. And I felt the same way. Like, I wasn't going to, like, try and make my case and barter. In hindsight, should I have? Maybe. Right. Um, but I think I was a little bit younger, scared, 
I didn't have the words. I ended up deciding to leave and I moved back to LA without a job. And I was, again, living off my credit cards, which I've done a few times. Yeah, but good for you for quitting because I think a moment like that is such a pivotal moment in your life as well where it's like seems like a huge deal. Like you actually don't know what path to take sometimes, especially moving to Chicago alone and then deciding to quit as well and going back to LA without a job. Do you ever like look back at that time and you're like, damn, fuck yes, Danielle. I do because I actually now feel sometimes more fear than I did when I was younger. And I look back on younger me and I'm like, you were great. Yeah. <laughs> like That's scary to leave your job yeah. and like not know if you'll ever get another one and not have any money in the bank. And um, yeah, I do. But I, I think when I look back on like the few courageous decisions I've made, it gives me confidence to do it moving forward because it's always ended up okay. And it better actually. And every step that you take has gotten to you where you are. Yeah. And like, even if you think it was pointless or you go into a meeting and it doesn't have any value, that meeting or that move or whatever gets you to closer to where you want to be as and well. And it's practice, right? Like you have to practice being good at meetings. No one ever told me that. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Do you have any tips when you walk into a meeting, by the way? Yes, actually. I have a few good tips. Oh, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> I would love to hear these. Tell me what you think. These are things okay. that I've learned. Um, so one, I'm a journalist. I love questions. And I learned that the most interesting thing is to be interested. People love to connect. And so ask questions. Where are you from? And if you see any, like, if you walk into their office and you see a photo on their wall of their son who plays baseball, oh, does he play Little League? Like, you know, I'm a Cubs fan. I'm from Chicago. Yes. Just try and, like, really connect with people. And not in a, like, gross or manipulative way, just in a genuine way. In a sincere way. And make you special. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I love that. Just be curious, right? I absolutely completely agree with that. Because sometimes when you go into a meeting, especially, like, in the industry in LA, they're just, like, talking so much about themselves. I also think... Correct me if you don't think the same. (laughs) It's also really rude when you just like don't really do your research about someone coming in. Do you ever go in a meeting and they're like, so tell me about yourself. And sometimes I'm like, well, you know, I got started in the fitness industry with my mom, Denise Austin. And they're like, don't know who that is. That happened really recently. Everyone knows Denise Austin. And I'm like not saying like you should know who my mom is, but like, hey, if you're about to like, you know, interview me or hire me for something, like maybe do some research. Does it ever like get you mad That's interesting. I've never thought about that. Interesting. I try and always, like, take ego out of it. I felt that sometimes when uh, people will message me on LinkedIn or Instagram and say, like, I want to be a journalist or a host. Can I pick your brain? And then I'll make time, which is, like, not – I don't have a lot of it. You know, I make time because I want to be a person of service. And they'll call me and be like, so where did you start? And it's like, it's all on my website, on my bio. Just stalk me a little too. And if you want to be a journalist, like research is number one. This is not a good start. Exactly. So you're actually on the other side of it. You research people. So imagine coming into something and, and literally just not doing any research about the person. If you are asking for somebody's time. You better have done the research. When it's, I agree. When I'm asking for somebody's time, then, you know, I come in just grateful. Completely agree. Speaking of research, I actually stalked you on Instagram, and um, <laughs> I really, really, really loved a post that you did, and I'd love to talk about this because it's really important for anyone feeling the exact same way. You had a post, and please explain it better than, I, you're, <laughs> than I'm about to, but basically in 2020, you said you didn't accomplish any of the goals that you wanted to. Oh, wow. You went back in my Instagram. Hi. Yes. <laughs> I stuck to you. And I want to talk about that and why it's really important to pause and not be upset at ourselves that we don't accomplish the things that are on our list to accomplish in an entire year sometimes. Yeah. Because, you know, the last year or two has really set a lot of us back. So can you talk about that post just a little bit and how it was just very moving to me as well. Thanks for that. And thank you for asking you about it. No one's ever asked me about it. Um, I remember I was in Florida, I think, uh, over 2020, like the holiday period. And I looked back at my notes and I wrote goals for that pre like 2019 going into 2020. And I wrote uh, personal goals and I wrote professional goals. And I laughed to myself because I'm like a, I'm a, like a hardworking, ambitious person. Hell yeah, you are. I didn't accomplish one professional goal. And I think there were like 10 on the list. (laughs) Not one happened. And that's okay. It was the first time that's ever happened. Right. And then I looked at the personal list 
and I had accomplished a lot of them. And usually it was, it had been flipped. Like I kind of let the personal stuff go by the wayside and I accomplished the professional ones. And I laughed to myself because I actually felt better. I was like, I put time into myself. Um, I gave myself time to pause. I like had recovered from a breakup and I was sad a lot of the year. And I had given myself time to be sad, which um, I'd never done before. And it was nice. And it's like, you don't always have to be doing stuff. I love that. And this is something I very recently also have understood about really? myself. Oh, very What recently. shifted? Um, well, obviously 2020 and slowing down, but I still never like slowed down enough in 2020. I was still yeah. doing like online workouts for like eight, probably like, you know, uh, that was like three times a day. I, I was, was sitting in my week. basement in Chicago and you were like, sports illustrated. I'm like, <laughs> I look back, I'm like, how the hell did I do that? But more recently, amazing. I have become very... I don't know. I would say very um, prioritizing my time better and only mm. working like five hours a day. Awesome. And I used to be, go, 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 let's do this and work from 8 a.m. to 1 a.m. and edit on my computer. You don't need to do that at all. It's actually like spastic work. That's what I because literally always You can do. be more productive, more intentional. Uh, I think people actually feel more connected to you when you like are slower yeah. and, and more connected to like connected to what you're saying and sincere instead yeah. of being like going to do this and going like that's overwhelming so overwhelming. I still do that a little bit but I'm getting a lot better at but it part of that is that you have really high energy and it's a beautiful thing it's oh, a thank gift you. thank yeah. you what is your take on hustle culture I mean we we kind of just touched on it a little bit but like yeah. I feel like for us as women entrepreneurs trying to start our own show start our own thing yeah we kind of have to hustle a lot and, you know, work really hard. But at the same time, this whole hustle culture thing is just, like, such BS. I've been thinking about this a lot because I've been uh, reflecting on the past eight or nine years in L.A. And I realized how many things I missed out on. I, I really, like, most Friday and Saturday nights, I was working. I would stay in and, like, and work. And if I didn't have actual work to do, I'd be researching people to connect with or, um, and I liked it. I didn't feel sad, but I didn't ever know like what the coolest restaurant was. Um, I barely went out. I barely took trips. Um, and I think when you're young, like when you're in your twenties, right out of school, it's important to really make sure that you're committed because if you don't put roots down when you're young, I think we're like trees. We tip over when we're older. I love that. So true. It's true. But sleep is the secret of superheroes. And if you don't sleep, nothing works. You can't be creative. You can't be thoughtful. You feel off and sad. I can't work out when I'm tired. So um, no one messes with my sleep. (laughs) I need eight hours. Other things might, yeah, eight, nine. Like other things may go by the wayside, but I always sleep. How did you keep up your friendships during that time? Because it's really hard for me to keep really? up my friendships because I'm a very social girl. But like I know. I've been gone for like, what, 10 days and, and I missed out on Friendsgivings. And it, it makes me really sad because yeah. I love my friends so much and they don't understand what I do. Like they have nine to fives. How did you deal with keeping friendships if you're working on a Friday night? That's such a good question. Um, it's twofold for me. One is I don't think I did a good job very early on. One thing I learned is if you want a friend, you have to be a friend. Yes. And I'm not sure. I don't think I was a bad friend, but I wasn't a good, active, proactive friend. I think I would kind of let people come to me because I was busy. Yeah. And that's not real friendship. Um, So some of the time I took to pause when I was heartbroken and really like invested in friendships and reinvested in ones that I'd made, you know, in college and whatever – I realized how important friendship was. Yeah. Um, and I now really make time for it. But I only make time for the friendships that energize me and fill me up. Absolutely. You know the feeling like if you get off the phone with someone and you're like, oh, be done. Exactly. Or if you get off the phone with someone and you're like, oh my gosh, that just made me so full of like light. It's yes. a difference. It, it is such a big difference and it's so obvious. Yeah. The phone call example is the best one. It really is. If you feel energized, they're a keeper. If you feel depleted... 
And that's not to say if someone's going through a hard time, but if you feel depleted on a daily basis, it's done. I interviewed Andrew Yang uh, recently, and he said every time he tries something new, he gains some friends and he loses some friends, and the people that stick with him through it all are the real ones. I love that. And you'll have all three. A season, a reason, yes. or a lifetime. Oh, you know? I like that. A season, a reason, or a lifetime. I connect with that a lot, to be honest. I've yeah. never actually opened up about this, but I've had a hard time in my early 20s making really, really good friends because mm-hmm. I was just so focused on proving myself. Wait, I have some. I have a question yeah. for you because I've always looked at you as somebody who really prioritized friendships. I tried to really hard, but I was traveling all the time. I missed out on a lot of things and I definitely didn't find my group until three years after college. How'd you find the group? I first off put in the effort Mm -hmm. and I found the group by, I don't know, being surrounded by people who make me feel good. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know, just better girls to be honest, and people who understood me and what I do. And and girls that I didn't feel like I had to prove myself around. And it's funny that I use the word prove myself because my early 20s, that's all I felt. And I felt like I needed to continuously be like, no, I'm going to do this. Because the whole Instagram, social media world of like starting your own thing too can be so what's the word? Like it, it can just be, people can look down upon it basically. That's my always my thought about it. You know what's interesting about that, though? They look down upon it until you find success in it, and then it's sort of admired. It's this weird switch. It just switched recently for me in the last two years where people like these girls that I actually dislike from college who always made fun of me, they literally told me, sorry, I can't Instagram for a job when I was 23 years old, and they were just bitches. And if you're listening— Good. I literally don't like them. <laughs> they now— We send them love. Though. <laughs> yeah. So they, they bullied me because I wanted to do what I wanted to do, and they, like, didn't understand it. And now they, like, go back to me, and they're like, oh, my God, I'm so proud of everything you have accomplished. And I still wow. hold hate in my heart. Why do I still hold hate in my heart? It's, like, the worst feeling. Well, I think they really hurt you, yeah, right? They like, they made you feel small. They That's did. a terrible feeling. Yeah. Um, there was a one girl from my upbringing that bullied me, and I still hold it against her. I was, like, eight years old, so I get what you're saying. I, I'm like, Katie, is this, like, you know, <laughs> move on. six years ago, move on. But they, like, re- I always felt since that moment that I had to prove myself. Yeah. You never forget that feeling. You don't. And I, I know what that, you like, mean. But I think, don't you think the lesson in all of that is you always have to, like, follow your heart and follow yeah. your truth, and the right people will will find you along the way. Absolutely. Yeah. They'll stick with you. They will. And those are the friendships that fill up your soul. I completely agree. And that's all about also, you know, looking back. I I love to look back and I'm like, I've done, you know, I have a lot of regrets in life. But at the same time, I'm very happy that I also did spend those early 20s working so hard because it got to where I was today. Um, Do you ever have those like reflective moments to be like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe where I am today? No. <laughs> Danielle, you should. That's really nice. I um I have like a lot of things that I want to do. It's funny oh, when no. I when I interview sometimes I'll interview actresses or comedians and I'm like, did success feel the way you thought it would? Yeah, and, that's, that's what I'm trying to ask. Right. And question. Zoe Lister Jones, who's a really successful actress and filmmaker, was like, I don't feel successful. Yeah. That's how I feel. Yeah. Um, I'm like so still climbing and trying to to make it. I don't know if that's a thing, if you ever make it, you know, but yeah, I, I don't feel that way. And I feel um, really grateful for any opportunity that comes along. Right. But I, I do think sometimes we have to look back and be like, I'm so, you know, I cannot believe where I am today. Like Sometimes I look back at like my 21-year-old self who just yeah. graduated from college and I'm like... And, and I get so down on myself and I'm so hard on myself to be like, I want my podcast to do better. I want my I want a million followers on Instagram and YouTube and all these things. And then I'll have to look back at like my 21-year-old self and it's like, yeah. oh, <laughs> you'd be so proud of where I am today. You know, it's funny because I see that for you. I'm like, it's going to happen. Relax. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. but it's hard to do it for yourself. It is really hard. There's one thing I do before I um, go on air, like before I go on a show, like a I did like Dr. Phil the other day. Like if I- Shut was, up. Did you really? Yeah, it was interesting. <gasps> but like something like that, or even before every show I did in Chicago, I will look in the mirror and take a moment and say like, what will what would 10-year-old Danielle say? And I just say thank you. 
And then I do the show because I feel like I go in with gratitude and yeah. a different perspective as opposed to like feeling frantic and excited and all that energy and adrenaline that comes with it. Totally. Do you ever get nervous still for your interviews? All the time. <laughs> I was the most nervous I've ever been for an interview yesterday. I interviewed Wait. Andrew Yang and he was a presidential candidate. And I, it, I mean, I've interviewed like Leonardo DiCaprio, Meryl Streep. Like I've interviewed a lot of celebrities. I've been nervous. Not this nervous. I oh. felt like this said so much about who I was as an interviewer yeah. and like if I had the chops. So I was so nervous. So how do you, if anyone wants to be a host out there, how do you come up with your questions and any interviewing tips out there that you would give to girls? The first thing I do is research always. Course, and so yeah. I'll like listen to any podcast they've done, watch any YouTube video, read every article. Um, and I'll write down questions I have based on that. And then, like, I'll think to myself, what am I, I like, close my eyes and I'm like, what do I want to know about Katie Austin? And then I'll, like, you know, I'm yeah. like, I have a lot of questions about you, but you're going to come on my podcast and we're going to answer all of <laughs> them. Um, and then I reorder them. So that's actually my favorite part. I love deciding which questions matter most. And sometimes I'll delete ones and then I'll reorder them and try and tell a story right. through oh, the interview. That's a that I yeah, I've never thought about that. It kind of has like an art, yeah, right. And I'm like, here's the emotional moment, and then we're gonna go funny, and like it has like a sort of like a story arc. I love that. Yeah. Okay, I have a question. I want actually want to know about you. How yeah. do you get motivated every day? How are you? How are you so motivated to like do your own show and wake up and work so hard? Can I curse on you? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I love it. Like I, I know. Yeah. I have wanted to do this my whole life. I've. um I worked for a ton of media companies and had really cool experiences. So this is not a knock on them, but I also had really difficult, challenging experiences with bosses, coworkers. I felt really like put down. I felt um, I've been like yelled at and like people tell you about your appearance all the time. It's oh like gosh. there's a lot of sort of toxic behavior that happens right. in these atmospheres. And um, the fact that I get to do a podcast where I book the guests, I write the questions, I edit it, like I get to do all of that is literally my dream. Yeah. And you're not so. only doing all that, but you're also doing it for the greater good of, you know, mostly female empowerment and inspiring others with like advice and, you know, all the topics that you talk about, like feminism and everything like that too. Like you are inspiring girls too. Thank is that one you. of like your main goals? I feel like. Yeah, it, it really is. You know, this woman I just interviewed said that you have to listen to your envy because instead of feeling icky about it, it points you in the direction of something that you want. Your envy. Your envy. So if you feel jealous about something, yeah. instead of feeling like, oh, the green monster of jealousy, listen to it. Because it's like, oh, that means that you want something that person is doing or has, right. and then go after it. If they can do it, you can do it too. Right. And so... Yeah, I, I've always like learned through other people's stories. And I feel like if we get to share those and show people how other people have done it, then they can do it too. And it's like, if you want it, go get it. Absolutely. You can, like you can, I don't mean to be like an inspirational no, guru, it's true, but like though. you can do it. Especially in this day and age, like Danielle and I grew up going to, you know, school and everything in college and needing to get a media job after that yeah. and work for a freaking company. Like, like you did media jobs as well, like Entertainment Tonight. I did like Fox Sports West yep. and the NBA. And so it was like, I feel the exact same way you do where I had these like questions that had to be approved by them and I couldn't show my personality and I was replaceable. Now, oh, the any replaceable thing. Yes. Yes. They love dangling that. Love it because 20,000 other girls would love to do your job. And you know what? In some of those roles, no offense to me, I was replaceable. Yeah. Because, Every, everyone is replaceable. Yeah. 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 And so now, if you are trying to be a host, you guys can create your own reel with no media company work at all. You can literally do— And a cell phone. And a cell phone. I didn't have a cell phone yeah. <laughs> to record stuff on. It's crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it must feel overwhelming in some ways too, right? Because it's like so much of the responsibility is on you because people expect you to create content all the time. Totally. And you don't really have an excuse. Right. You know, like find a camera person. You don't, Like it's, it's you. So it is a lot of—I don't—I um, saw Conan on an airplane once— <gasps> 
we, it was like a small little plane going to Napa and he walked on the plane and fell asleep. And the whole ride, I'm like, what am I going to, I have to talk to my ex. What am I going to And he finally, like the stewardess woke him up and we were uh, descending. And I was like, hey, if you were to do it all over again, what would you do differently? And he goes, I wouldn't do it. It was fucking hard. (laughs) Seriously? Yeah, he was like, in this day and age, it would be so hard. Like, there's just so much competition, you know? And I don't know if he meant it. I think he was being funny. But I do think that coming up in this day and age where there's so much opportunity but also so much content and oversaturation is really, it's a lot. Absolutely. I really respect people who put themselves out there. And it's kind of funny because a lot of people think like, oh my gosh, well, who your mom is, it'd be really easy to be in the fitness industry. My mom did it totally different. And there's so many girls in the fitness industry doing workouts, having their own app and doing their own subscription workout program. But at the same time, I do believe that there's room for everyone. Mm -hmm. And just because a girl, you know, in the fitness industry is in quotes doing better than me, you can learn from every single person. This is something I've always wanted to know about you. Okay. Having your mom... A, in the fitness industry, but B, like being truly an icon in it. Was it helpful? And like, did you feel like you walked into spaces with more knowledge? Or did you feel so angsty about creating your own persona? I'd say a little bit both, but more the latter. I think that's also why I've, my entire career, been like I'm proving myself. Mm -hmm. Because I also want to be known as... Katie Austin, not Denise Austin's daughter, especially in the fitness industry, how everything has changed. Mm-hmm. And I never want to be given a hand. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I never want to, I never want someone to be like, oh, she got that because of who she is and where she came from. And so I think that's why I worked 10 times harder because I never wanted people to think it was handed to me. Yeah. So I have this, I have a little bit of like a, a, a little grudge on me, like a little chip on my shoulder from it. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. And it's not. And I'm so grateful for it. And mom, if you're listening to this, you literally have given me everything <laughs> and beyond. But at the same time, I do think it helped motivate me in, in a good way. I just interviewed Maria Schreiber. Oh, I love and her. And she's wonderful. And she came from a family, like a very powerful family. And she said something very similar. She went to work and would stay later than anybody and wanted to work harder because she didn't want anybody to think that there was a handout. Absolutely. Okay, something that I also want to know about you. I ask this to a lot of my guests, but I think this would be a very interesting question to ask you. It's very riveting. What is your morning routine like? Oh, please help me. (laughs) Honestly, if you have tips, help me. I've read all the things that are like five things successful people do and wake up. I have no routine. (laughs) I like that. I have no routine. Because like you said, for for pretty smart, you have to book the guests. You have to do everything yourself. And you have to, you know, really be motivated because you don't have a boss and like, you know, you're used to having a boss. So how do you... Like organize the organize day. Organize your work. <laughs> uh, I probably could do a lot better than I do, but I wake up and like every day is a fire drill. <laughs> so I, I really try and always get my workout in in the morning. I'll work out like four days a week if I can, maybe five. And that is like from eight to nine. Other than that, it's a free for all. Like I'll wake up, some days I wake up at 5.45. Sometimes I wake up at 7.30. Sometimes I go straight to my computer and some days I go for a walk. Like it's, I kind of, I'm like a feelings person and I just go with what I feel. Although I do recognize that certain things make me happier. And I'm also, uh, I'm starting to recognize that I'm more creative in the morning. And so what do I do? Because I want to work out in the morning. So what should I like get on my computer? I don't know. I don't have the answer for it. If you have an answer, let me. <laughs> what I like to do is like drink my coffee and be creative during my coffee and then work out like an hour after. Maybe that's what I need And then to like do. have a piece of toast and wait for it to digest and then work out. Your toast looks so Dude, good I eat on Instagram, but it's like fresh bread. It's not just toast. I had toast this morning. It's I have so two pieces good. of toast like probably every morning. I loved what you posted the other day because some, but you do a lot of good, like ask me anything. Yeah. And I love how honest you are. First of all, you're probably really willing. No, you're willing to share. It's nice. Yeah. And I think that's one of, Gloria Steinem says it's one of the most feminist things we can do is share our honest stories with other women. I love that. And it's so true. Love that. Um, Because it makes us feel like not alone, you know? But, um, and you're, you, I don't know if you know that because you're a little bit younger than me, but you really, like, I feel, I feel seen by you. You do that for people. Thank you. Um, But 
what was I saying? You're your toast. Like some girl <laughs> was Q&A's. like, how do you eat so many carbs? And you're like, they're not bad for you. Yeah, they're not bad for you at all. And, and it's so funny you say that about social media too, because it's going to be really hard for the younger generation. And, and we're probably one of the last generations that didn't grow up with like Instagram being at like, they're just scrolling constantly in middle yeah. school. Do you, what is your opinion on young girls on social media? I feel so honestly sad for that. So like sad. I, it's a it's a beautiful tool if you can use it and not be used by it. But I can't imagine like being a kid in school, like you know who's popular and you know who's not, but it's sort of theoretical. And now it's like you actually know this person has 500 followers and this right. person has two. And it's just, right. it's so in your face. And it's, it, I mean, there's a reason that depression, anxiety, uh, plastic surgery, it's all at an all-time high. And social media has no doubt impacted that. I think the only thing we can do to counteract that is to like really try and instill a lot of confidence in young women and young men. Totally. And try and like offset that because I know it's, it's so, so sad. hard. I actually, over the weekend, I took a little girl to the bathroom because her she was only with her dad and not with the mom. And she was 12 years old and she wanted to know what I was doing for a living. She was so cute. And I told her I do like social media stuff. And I was like, do you have social media? And she was like, Every time I open Instagram or social media, I just feel sad. I get really sad. Really? And I'm not kidding you. I like, whew, I was like, I need to turn away from you right now. And yeah. like, it was just really emotional because it was like, imagine this is my daughter right here. And it's really hard for me. Here we go, therapy session with Danielle, Katie. It's hard for me because I'm in an industry that shows my body. I'm a yeah. Sports Illustrated swimsuit model posing in a bikini. And I never want to make anyone feel bad about me posing in a bikini or doing my workouts. And it's such a it's yeah. such a contradicting industry because I post workouts to have other people try them, to inspire them to work out. But also, it could be making people feel really bad that they're not working out that day. That's so And it hurts my hard. soul. Yeah. I know. But it's weird because you're inspiring a lot of people. And then I see what you're saying because yeah. like… I kind of like the idea of body neutrality where it's like it's not necessarily even body positivity. You're just trying not to think about it, right? you know. But one of the reasons I started following you and we connected is you didn't make me feel bad. Yeah. You know, Thank like you. you like you're not it's not always like hair and makeup perfect. Like you're real. Right. And so yeah, I do. And I learned from you too, right? Like there's no morality in food. There's no good or bad. It just is. Right. And so I get what you're saying. Yeah. It's hard. It's really hard. Do you um, do you get upset over social media? Do you feel Not sad by Not really. It? I actually, my whole thing is I have been very internally battling with some things that I do because I, as I get older, I'm becoming more and more of a feminist, mm-hmm. right? And I get, my sister is a huge feminist too. Oh and so basically, I'm like, okay, I work hard for my body. I want to show it off. Here's me in a bikini. But at the same time, I'm just, you know, showing off my body and that's just sexualizing myself. And, and I battle so much with it. I'm going to send you this book. Please do. What Be- is it? It's Beauty Sick, the one that I read about that okay. like started pretty smart. It changed my life because I had the, similar and in a different way to you. I was on a TV show every day and I had to wear tight dresses and like so much of my job also was about my appearance, whether I decided it to be or not. You know, my bosses would talk about how I wore my hair and what I looked like. So I felt all the contradiction and I think part of that is just maturity. Like you will find your peace with it, but also this book is life-changing. Is there anything like a a takeaway advice from the book that like really sticks out to you? Anger is an active emotion. And so the author says, get pissed that people are making money off of your insecurities. And it's like this vicious cycle and do something to change it. And the way we change it is every time you think about how you look or your appearance, look in the mirror and and change the question to how can I change the world today? What can I do to achieve something today. Like ask yourself a different question yeah, and you'll just be like, it's, it's unrealistic to not think about how you look, but it should be one of the 10 things. It shouldn't be like the top five. Completely agree. Yeah. It's so funny. Cause I actually got a DM the other day too, that said, um, uh, 
You claim you love yourself, but yet you wear fake eyelashes and padded bras. And I'm like, what the fuck? So we can't even try to make ourselves, like, feel our best selves and our sexiest selves, you know? So I mean, one of the best things about feminism is it's about choice. And so it's, you're allowed to act and say and do whatever you feel is right. And that's a, that's what every great feminist will tell you. Totally. And so if you feel best in fake eyelashes and padded bras, and at the same time you want to talk about fitness and body positivity or neutrality, whatever, like you get to choose. I freaking you know? love that. That's that true. That's actually like the most inspiring thing that I've heard mm-hmm. today. Because wow. I needed that. I really did because I, I struggle with it when with the industry I'm in and especially when someone like validates you on the way you look. Yeah. And being so thrown into things on on your value of, you know, your looks and stuff. And then at the same time, you want to be pretty smart and you want to be pretty kind. And that's how you're going to be remembered in life. Yeah. But you get to be all the things. Yeah. You know, and different seasons maybe emphasize different ones. Totally. I love yeah. that. So we have a mantra, a mood-boosting mantra segment on the show. And we've said a lot of, like, inspiring quotes today. But I want to hear if you have anything, like a quote, a mantra, an affirmation that, like, you really, as I'm saying this, you're thinking of right now. I know exactly. Okay. Yeah. Let's hear it. So Shirley Chisholm was the first woman to run for president. She was a black woman. And she's one of the most inspiring women I've ever read about. And she has this quote that says, uh, service is the rent you pay for a room on this earth. And it's how I try and live my life. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah. So um, serving others is is the rent, is is the duty, the currency that you pay for living here. Like we are all here to serve other people. It's what life is about. And um, it sounds corny. No, it doesn't. But it's true. I love corny things. I didn't always feel that way. When I moved to LA, I was so hungry. I just wanted a piece of success. Like I just, I could feel it and I could taste it. And I just wanted like a crumb. And I met this man named Steve Carlston. Uh, he, was, he, he was the GM of NBC uh, in LA, the news station. And I met him outside of a gym serendipitously. And he ended up completely changing my life. And what I, I, when I met him, I thought, oh my God, maybe he'll give me a job. He did not give me a job. He gave me a life. I, from the moment I walked into his office, he was so generous with his wisdom and the way he lived. I've never seen anybody live like this. Like he was so busy, okay? And aside from all that, he would make time to help somebody move. He would give people his shoes at the gym. Oh my gosh. He makes sure to talk to one person every day. He would always make time for me and there were probably tens of me. Oh my gosh. And I saw the abundance he lived in, like, like he was word. so full. He was bright and full of spirit and had such a full life full of like love and beauty and success. Yeah. And I was like, that, like, I want to live like that. Right. And so he never told me to do that. I just saw him live and I was like, oh, that's it. So service is the rent you pay for a room on this earth. I love that. And he probably got to where he is because he's so kind. And I think that's something that's huge in our industry as well. It's like being good to work with. It doesn't almost matter how freaking talented you are. If you're not a good person to work with or be around, then no one's going to want to work with you. I don't want to work with me if I'm not, like, I don't want to look in the mirror. You're the one that has to look in the mirror every day and be proud of the person staring back at you. Totally. And it's, it's funny because, you know, you could look at, what was his name? Steve? Steve. Steve. You could look at his success. Yeah. But you look at his, in quote, success of his abundance and like giving to others as well. So success doesn't mean you're going to be a multimillionaire. It means something different for every single person. And a lot of times we can't even put a label on success. It could be all the things. Yeah. Choice, right? I don't even know. If someone's like, what would it take for you to be successful? I don't have that answer. That's actually so interesting. Like I would say... What What would it mean? I think being genuinely serious right now, it would be having a family with and like just like having a... 
Don't make me cry, Danielle. That's so sweet. Having a family before my parents pass away, <laughs> that'd be success to me. I'm going to cry. Um, but yeah, for real, that, that's what it is. It's something you think about a lot. <laughs> well, thanks for the therapy yeah. session. <laughs> Did you have a close relationship with your grandparents? No, they passed away. And so it's a fear. Yeah, for sure. Honestly, yeah. these questions would be really great to bring. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect time to promo them. If you guys want to cry your next family get-together, you guys— I should get Danielle's questions from Pretty Smart. Can you actually tell us about them? Because you, <laughs> you can really get deep with them. Is one of the questions, what does success mean to you? Because it really should be. No, but maybe <laughs> we should do an expansion pack. Like, what is success? Um, so I'm obsessed with questions. My whole life, I kept, like, even as a kid, I was like, why, 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 why? Went into journalism. I had a Google Doc of 800 questions that I would ask or questions I loved that Oprah would ask. And I quit what I thought was my dream job at the time. I would break out into hives. I would go to the bathroom at lunch and cry. I hated it. And I was like, how did something I thought was the dream end up like this? And I was so disoriented. I quit. I was living off my credit cards. I was pretty (laughs) depressed. (laughs) I lived in this studio in LA that had no light. It was like I would wake up every morning and just be like, get out of bed. You can do it. Oh, my gosh. And I started asking myself questions. I would go to this Google Doc and I was like, I have spent an entire career asking other people questions. I've never asked myself one. So I went through this Google Doc and after eight months, I answered all the questions. And I realized I was way more interesting at dinner. I was way more confident because I felt like I had answers to what I was feeling. And I hadn't gone to therapy. So that was like my therapy. And I was like, we are all so curious. We just don't know the questions to ask. And we don't know know when is appropriate to ask. There's so much social anxiety about entering a conversation, starting a conversation. And we talked about this earlier, but the most interesting thing you can do is be interested. And so I came up with 52 of my favorite questions. Um, I whittled them down from 800. (laughs) Shut up, you had 800. I'm not kidding. (laughs) Stop. And yeah, so these are my favorite ones. And they're for deeper conversations. Some are fun and and like light. And then some are deeper and more reflective um, but I've tested them out with, uh, I just did complex con and like, I tested them out with strangers, but what was most meaningful is I tested them out with my dad oh. and I'm cl- you're close with your dad. I'm yeah. very close with my dad. And I ask him questions, but based on this deck, I learned stories about him that I never knew. That is so amazing. It was like, I have chilled. It was yeah. so cool. And so I think, yeah, bring these to a dinner party or a bachelorette party, but Play them with your parents or your closest friends because, like, it's so gratifying to learn stuff about people you already know. It's so true, too, because my dad probably has the coolest stories. He's lived, like, seven different careers. And, like, he really doesn't, you know, you don't really ask your dad, like, hey, what was it like when you were 32 years old doing this? And so it— Or the heart stuff. Like, who broke—who was the first person to break your heart? Oh. Right? Do you know about yeah. your dad's ex-girlfriend? <laughs> no. I don't know if I want to, Danielle. <laughs> okay, let me ask you one of these. Okay. Kay. Tell me when to stop. Or actually, um, you just pick one. Pick one? Okay. If you guys are just listening, she's holding up all her 52 cards right now. Um, are you kidding? This is so weird that I just got this card. What are you still trying to prove to yourself and to other people? That's, that's weird. <laughs> that's really like, weird. That's kind of crazy. That what is, are you still trying to prove you. to yourself and to other people? Um, I feel like we answered this in the show almost like that. Like I wasn't given a handout. I don't want people to think that I was like giving a handout. I want people to like still think that I'm earning everything that I work hard for. And I don't know. I think that's, we kind of talked about it. Yeah. I'm trying to prove to myself. That you stood on your own two feet. Yeah. That that I'm earning it on my hard work, not with anyone handing it to me. So. You know, it's funny because I think, um, once you believe that, other people will know it too. I'm finally starting to believe it. It took Good. me until 28 years old to start believing that. That's not so bad. 28 is pretty young. <laughs> Honestly, these questions are so amazing. I, I have played them and I learned so much about people that I thought that I knew and also new friends that came into my life because you get you connect on a deeper level and when you do you can really just understand what someone's going through and their tendencies as well you really have no idea what someone's going through until yeah. you ask them and you can understand why someone is the way they are 
Yeah. And don't you feel, I feel better when I feel deeply connected to somebody. Absolutely. Instead of like a surface conversation. Absolutely. And if something bad has happened in their life, I always feel a little bit taboo bringing it up. Mm. Like, for example, my boyfriend's mom passed away. Yeah. And I've always like, within the past, was like very like, I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to make him sad. But now, like after we've played, honestly, these questions too, I'm way more open about asking him about like his past traumas and stuff as well, which is like really important. Beautiful. It's really important. You know, somebody said to me, I, I had my best friend's mom pass away, and I was like frozen. Yeah. And someone said to me, just ask them to tell you stories. About their mom. Because people, like, you don't want to forget the person, you know, and they just want to talk about them. And it's like, I I think that that. that's so beautiful. And to even ask, like, can we talk about your mom? I'd love to know about her. Is now a good time? You know, like, to ask permission to enter. I love that because you you never know when is the right time. And it's never really the right time. Right. And you don't want to overstep your boundaries of, like, prying or opening up wounds that, you know, will really set them off. Yeah. But I really, really like that. It sounds like you have a really beautiful communicative relationship. We do, for sure. Yes. And he's perfect. I have no nothing wrong with him. That's he's awesome. he's very communicative. It's me who like needs to like say a little more <laughs> what I'm feeling sometimes. I'm like the typical girl like sitting there fucking pissed off and he's like, Is anything wrong? I'm like, no, I'm fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I swear. Everything's fine. That's the word. Fine is the word that you know it's not fine. I know. And I'm his first girlfriend, like of life, basically. He had a girlfriend for like two, three months in high school. <laughs> And he's 28 years old now, and he's, like, finally learning about, like, having a girlfriend. So I'm teaching him all the ropes. What's the learning curve? Like, what are, like what's one or two things he had to learn? Oh, man. Um, how to balance his friends and me at the oh, same damn time. Yeah. Yeah. But he's perfect on it now. It took a year. But we're That's good. not so bad. <laughs> well, actually, it took him, like, six months. Okay. Yeah. That's even better. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Danielle, where can everyone find you and your show? Um, I'm at Danielle Robay, R-O-B-A-Y on Instagram. And the show is called Pretty Smart. And it's on everywhere you can find podcasts. Hell yeah. Well, yeah. thank you so much. And thank I you. will see you guys next week. Bye.